You're listening to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman and joining me from Shanghai, an Australian cricket podcaster who always brings a level of elite honesty. It's Darren Burns. How are you? Yeah, I think I'm great. Thanks, Arun. I, I think that's kind of the sub-theme of the podcast and is that we always bring this elite honesty because we are the elite of the cricketing podcasting world. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed that Cricket Australia has, has actually codified one of our values. Yeah. Um, but I, I had not written it on the wall. Of the change room. <laughs> yeah, of the changing room. What? I mean, there's so much to talk about just, in terms of Australian cricket. I just don't cricket. know even where to start. I mean, where to start? We thought we thought we'd hit rock bottom last time, <laughs> and I kind of think we thought, all right, that's it. Um, but, but since no. then, we've had the elite honesty debacle, yeah, um, which made Shane Warne want to vomit. Yes. Uh, but perhaps more worrying than that, um, it's just more turmoil. I mean, so, you know, I think something like is it four more people have left Cricket Australia since our last podcast, yeah. including, of course. Uh, David Peaver, who was um, the chairman, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, the chairman of the board, and we actually talked about that we thought he would leave on the last podcast, and he did. How about that? We should be in the betting business. You know, and, and in addition to that, um, of course, you know, Pat Howard, the high-performance coach that was brought in after the last review, <laughs> quite ironically, the last, the last review in 2011 called the Argus Review, he was brought in as a high-performance impresario and uh, he was brought in to try and drive high performance for the team, that kind of culture. And he's been a bit of a whipping boy and kind of sort of accused of being part of the problem. So he's actually stepped aside or been forced aside. I guess the big surprise is that Mark Taylor, who's been on the board for quite a while, about 10 years and kind of tipped to become potentially the next chairman, has actually resigned as well. So it just keeps going lower and lower. Um, and thrown into that mix, as you mentioned earlier, you have this whole rubbish about this elite honesty and Justin Langer's ham-fisted explanation of what it means. Um, I still don't really get it. You know, it's the kind of honesty you have with your family or your to your best mate or to your daughter or husband or wife. Um, why not just call it honesty? Like, what is elite honesty? And I just think at the moment, the Australians are so internally focused they're so focused on this whole issue of culture and this nonsense about the structure. They're really not focused on playing cricket. And I feel sorry for the guys going out and trying to play because they've just got so much shit going on internally. And you imagine what the South Africans must be saying to them. I mean, it's just, it's a sledge's delight. <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah, the guys are, and, and the women as well, of course, who are also playing. Yeah, I, I mean, the women. I, I notice in all the Cricket Australia, if you look at the Australian Cricket app uh, and the website, the opening videos and, sh and shots right now of all of the women and of course the women are doing very well and they keep excelling and of course there's a t20 world cup starting very shortly in west indies for the women and they're kind of doing really well and they're great ambassadors for the game in australia um in stark contrast to the men maybe we'll see more women taking on senior roles i mean belinda clark has taken on an interim role ex as executive I hope so. gm of team performance um yeah. And Stephanie Beltrame has moved into a new role as interim EGM broadcasting and commercial. Um, so, you know, I think that perhaps augurs well because one of the problems with cricket, I think, is that especially cricket administration is kind of an old boys club. It is. And that has been the case in Australia, right? So now you've got these, these you know, a number of people leaving. Yeah, I think there is a bit of an old boys club in Australia in general um, and on many board levels uh, around the country. So I think this is a good... Breath of fresh air. Let's let's see. Um, and of course, Shane Warne has thrown his hat in the ring. 
to say that he would help in any capacity, whether he can train the spin bowlers or, you know, talk to people about philosophy. And, you know, obviously he loves coaches. Um, so obviously he's thrown his head out there in the ring. Um, remains to be seen. Have you seen his, uh, his most recent column in Melbourne's Herald Sun? No, I haven't. No, not a newspaper I'm familiar with, I must say. That's quite a big um, one. Okay, but he has said, in the words of Donald Trump, let's make cricket great again. Um, so it's it's quite it's a feat to to combine both Cricket Australia and Donald Trump. And do you think he can one also sentence. perhaps paint a mural or commission a mural from Banksy or someone like that? Um, yeah, I think at the moment the only person who's missing from that would be maybe the Saudi Crown Prince in terms of you know major public enemies. That's a low, that's that's well that's a you've really gone low on that one, Arun. Um, cricket Australia is in disarray. Fact. CA has lost control and sight of what it was trying to achieve to make cricket Australia's favourite sport. That was its slogan and it was right, but it has lost its way and thankfully heads are starting to roll. Warren called on his former teammates Michael Clarke and Glenn McGrath to come forward to help their team out. Um, there's been no response from either of them. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... I, I think Michael Clarke's lost his commentating contract. Um, I think he's a good commentator, but he's not very popular. He d- apparently doesn't rate very well. He was never really, he re- never really enamored himself with the Australian public either. So he, he might be a bit of a wild card. Uh, meanwhile, well, that's a whole other story. Glenn McGrath, I can't see. He's not. He doesn't. He's never seemed that bothered about. And he's got a great broadcasting gig too. So why we get, why give up, give that up? And, and Steve Smith has been actually getting a lot of the crowds into grey cricket in Sydney. Um, I saw some video last weekend. The crowds have really warmed to him. Um, he played some absolutely ostentatious shots in a T20 game. Those kind of flicks from, you know, three feet outside off stump over the over fine leg for six. Um, he seems to be really thriving, and I, I think he looks like he's enjoying his cricket again, so that's good. Um, David Warner, on the other hand, you know, I think he just looks a troubled man, and I, I, I kind of feel sorry for him a bit. Um, you know, he walked off, a, off a, in a cricket match two weekends ago in club cricket um, because he's being sledged. So, yeah, let's see. I mean... By Phil Hughes' brother, right? I hope. Yeah, exactly. Um, Daniel Hughes. So, you know, we keep saying we've hit rock bottom, but I don't think we have. And we just got absolutely hammered by South Africa in the first one-day international in Perth last weekend. Again, the batting just seems woeful. And I guess it really shines a light without Smith and Warner there. It really shows that Australia is really not a very good team. I think it's also that. I think it's not just about this kerfuffle and all the all the heart-wrenching culture reviews, I think it's just the team is just not a very good team, especially the bat- batting at the moment. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the the results this year have been shocking yeah. for Australia. And I think I sent you a, a graphic um, just in terms of the, the, the losing run that Australia is on in tests, one-day matches, um, and T20s. It's, it's, it must be, you know, the worst run that Australia has been on for Forever, at least a couple of decades. You know, I'm thinking back to maybe the Kim Hughes era, yeah, the sort of 80s. when Australia was was this bad. The, the, um, yeah, the global loser. But I mean, I think, and it's kind of happened at the worst time possible. You think about it. We've got a South African tour coming up to Australia, then the India tour. I mean, the two best teams in the world are touring Australia at the moment, so it's probably happened at the worst time possible. So let's see what happens. Well, the good news for Australia is that India has never won a series. In Australia, so well, um, first time lucky, always, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, if they can't win now, honestly, you really have to question. I agree. Whether India will ever win, you know. Uh, but yeah, so if we look at Australia, last five 
T20s, um, they lost four and they won one against the UAE. Um, last 13, Ooh. was it 12 or 13 ODIs they've lost? They've won one out of the last 13. Crazy. Uh, and the last five tests, they've lost four and drawn one. Um, so that's the team. If you look at the administration, of the, I mean, the question I wanted to ask you, so obviously James Sutherland has gone. Um, you know, he went earlier. Uh, David Peaver, who, despite kind of giving every indication that he was going to stick it out and be actually being re-elected before the report was made public, which was just really strange yeah. and I think annoyed a lot of people and clearly annoyed the New South Wales yeah. um, CEO or chairman, whoever it was, who, the, the, the guy who's kind of vote, ultimately became pivotal, I think, yeah. in bringing Peeva down. I mean, he just, I don't know, he's never seemed like someone who um, has a lot of goodwill behind him. You mentioned before that his interviews were pretty bad. I mean, it was kind of, he, he didn't interview well after the, the reports came out. So he, he doesn't strike... Um, me as someone who's who's a huge loss, I think you know that seems to be the consensus. But I was surprised that Mark Taylor stood down. Hmm. You know, he seems to be someone that everyone likes. Um, obviously, he's got a huge background in Australian cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess he also felt that he, you know, he had to go down with the ship. Yeah, I think you know. Obviously, he he's doing more and more broadcast gigs, so he's commentating on some of the channels as well at the moment. You know, the the word around the campfire is that he's a you know, decent, honest, good guy. Um, so I don't know if he wanted to step away for it because of that reason he felt that he couldn't make a contribution or that he just wanted to sort of give it a reset. Um, we don't know. So I, I think Peeva stepping down was basically inevitable after after some of the boards, as you mentioned, the state boards lost confidence in him. So um, let's well, let's see. We keep saying we're reached bot- the bottom of the pile, but I just don't know if we have. Um, hopefully we can yeah. just get on with the cricket game. And I think once Australia win a, win a game or two, you know, I this will. I think this will start to sort of fade into the distance, and aren't we already sick of it? To be honest, I, I, I mean, I actually agree with you. Much as there's there's an element of of Schaden, Schadenfreude in the uh, the rest of the cricket world, ever since I think Sandpaper Gate, yeah. you know, people have just been falling over themselves to to kind of see how far this yeah. this will take us, you know. Um, but yes, I think a, a weak Australia is not actually good for the world game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, something I thought was very interesting on a sort of on a sort of side note here, you know, the first the one day series in Australia is only being shown for the first time forever on Foxtel and not on free to air. And so I re- was reading an article this week and it talked about how only in Australia only three in ten households have Foxtel. So basically, the TV audience for this first one-day game was down about eighty percent on what it normally is. That can't be a good thing, especially at this time. Um, you know, it might be a good thing for the pubs. I guess pubs are showing it on Foxtel and people going pub, but it sounds like the worst possible time to also have a diminished viewership of cricket as well. So let's see how that goes. Um, I read today that uh, Cricket Australia is considering lifting the bans on. Steve Smith and Cameron Bancroft. There have been polls, yeah. I've noticed in Australia, and its public opinion seems to be pretty squarely against mm. this idea. Um, but I guess they've reached a point now where they're willing to consider it. I mean, what do, what, what do you think will happen? I, I think they probably won't lift the international bans, but they might lift first-class cricket. So, you know, they've already been playing in the West Indies and Canada, so why not just let them play in Big Bash and domestic cricket. I think that's the argument right now. But you're right. I think if they do come back early, it does give another potential 
you know, crisis inflection point to, to Cricket Australia, right? Um, if they lift the brands, it could just be this whole vitriol going onto social media all over again. There'll be another review. There'll be another people quitting. I mean, I don't know. I think in a way they've got to write it out a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you for your elite honesty. Yeah, my elite honesty. <laughs> it's really, it was really elite, I have to say. <laughs> it was both elite and honest. <laughs> so that's Australia. Next up, we should probably talk about Sri Lanka versus England. Yeah. A lot should. to get into here. Um, first of all, it is the last test match for Ranganahera. Um, which we didn't mention last time. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sure why he, the first test is the last I, test. I totally today. didn't get that either. I, I thought he was playing the whole series. And then he's... so He's had enough. You know, I, th- I thought it was going to be his last hurrah, but I guess not. No, he has bowled for the last time in a test match. I mean, that it has happened. He's taken four, his 400 and, his 433 yeah. wickets, I think. I mean, it's, it, you, you forget. I think we all forget just how amazing his stats are. You know, 433 test wickets... Uh, he's playing his last test match in 2018, more than 19 years since his first test match in 1999. You know, an average of 28. You know, as, as many people will point out, the, you know, one of the main reasons his career is so long is because for a long time uh, he had to bowl in the shadow of Morley, right? So he, didn't, he, didn't, he, yeah. he couldn't get into the team. Um, and, you know, he's not someone who looks like the most athletic cricketer in the world. He doesn't. He, he likes his um, buffets. but hell of a bowler Uh, although this is not I think going to be a final test for him to remember anyway he's not he's not bowled particularly well in fact Sri Lanka spinners have been comfortably out bowled by uh, England spinners Jack Leach Moeen Ali and Adil Rashid Um, all three of them all three of them bowled very well and indeed England have have so far I mean where we are on the um, what are we on day four now yeah, day four. Day four. As, uh, Sri Lanka need 462 to win, which is not going to happen. They are 152 for four. Um, we're kind of we're in session two of day four. I think we can see England winning this, um, given how well their spinners are bowling. Yeah, I think I always like. I, I always find it exciting, and I think it's great when we can get three decent spinners going to the subcontinent who, who are bowling pretty well. I think that's. You know, so often you see Australia or England tour with three seamers and, you know, one or two spinners. I think that's not the right way to go. And I, I think you've seen great spells from all the bowlers. I mean, Moeen's great. He continues to defy the odds, really. People sort of don't think much of him, but he continues to hang in there. He's definitely in, in England's number one spinner. You know, 150-odd text wickets, uh, mostly in England and the subcomp. But it's great. I mean, it's good to see him bowl. Really exciting to see folks get his, get his century on debut. Um, in place of Johnny Besto. So poor old Johnny must be worried about that, but he, but I thought he batted really well. And again, came to the rescue with young Sam Curran in the first dig. You know, England's lower order is something to behold at the moment. It's, very, it's super impressive. They're never down. They always come back to the game. So that's super impressive to watch. And of course, Keaton Jennings, who we thought of might be out of contention, right? After his pretty poor showing last summer, but he actually batted really well. And held his bat for the, in the second innings all the way through. So he scored 100 as well. So good stuff from England at the moment. Yeah, it looks like Keaton Jennings perhaps is a subcontinental specialist. Um, Which is great, right? Because if you recall, he scored a, a century against India, was it a couple of years ago? I think, correct. was that on his debut as well? I, I yeah, think correct. it may well have been. Um, 
Ben Folk's uh, scoring a century on his debut, and not only that, he kept really well. Yeah, um, and you know he joins part? a he joins an exclusive club of you know batsmen who've scored a century on their Test debut. Uh, I think he's only the second wicketkeeper since second England wicketkeeper to score a century on Test debut after Matt Pryor. Um, brilliant glove work, uh, as you said. Keaton Jennings has batted. Um, Really well, yeah. England, England look happy. I mean, um, Stokes is is playing well. Yeah. Uh, after taking a nasty blow, he looks like he's back. Um, you know, but he looks like he's got his confidence back. Uh, and of course, one thing we did mention is this is a, sh- a weakened Sri Lankan team. The only Sri Lankan yeah. players who've kind of stood up so far in the match have been Matthews and Chandamal, their their two best batsmen. Yeah. Um, their bowling attack looks a little toothless. Uh, uh, I must say, if you've seen Angelo Matthews, he's definitely looking much tighter. I think he's done a bit of a um, Usman Kawaja. He's definitely shed a few pounds. Right. He looks very fit. Um, or he has a good rig, as they say. You know, he's looking quite fit. Strong forearms, good chest. You're look, looking quite fit. Are you, are you suggesting the, um, the, the Sri Lankan cricket board was justified in its <laughs> observations about his running between the wickets? Yeah, and his, uh, his inability to last 50 overs on the cricket field. Well, whatever they've said to him has worked because he's looking pretty fit right uh, at the moment. So, yeah, he's, he's one of the best batsmen in Sri Lanka. Surely he must be in your team. Come on, right? He's the best. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's... Anyway, I've got some stats on, um, on Ben Folks because, you know, I, this, this stuff is always fun. Um, so he is the 20th player to score a century on debut for England. Um, the last batsman to do it was, in fact, Keaton Jennings uh, in 2016 in Mumbai. So that's kind of weird. The last two English batsmen to do it um, were in India. And, of, and let's not forget Alistair Cook, I think, scored a century against India on debut in India as well. Um, so he's only the second batsman not from Asia to score a century in Sri Lanka on debut. Do you know who the other one was, Darren? It's going to be an Australian batsman. It is. Damien Martin? No. It's one of your favourites from your favourite family. Oh, Marsh, Sean Marsh. Yeah, Sean Marsh, correct. Oh, yeah. Sean F. Marsh, they call him in Australia at the moment. Oh, Sean really? F. Marsh. <laughs> okay, yeah. and we leave the F to our imagination? That's or? right, yeah. Right, okay. He's the fifth wicketkeeper to score a century on test debut, um, the first since Matt Pryor. Ah, there we go. He is the fourth batsman from England to score a century on debut in Asia, alongside Jennings and Cook, as we mentioned, and Brian Valentine. So well done to Ben Folks. He's going to be hard to dislodge now. You do wonder what it means for Johnny Bairstow. Um, there was a there was some talk in the run up yeah. to this test that Bairstow's place was a, a little bit under threat. Um, he didn't bat. He hasn't batted well in the last few months. Um, then there's been that. You know he's been very grumpy about the wicket keeping. Yeah, uh, it hasn't hasn't kind of gone down well. He's been very possessive, hasn't he, about insi- insisting on being the keeper and you know batting high in the order. So, I mean, it's but it's possible they could have all three of them in the team. Um, are you you mean Folks, Butler, and Bairstow? Yeah, they could. I mean, I, I mean, I, th- I think if you have Folks as a keeper, you, you could still easily make the case that Bairstow and Butler are two of the best batsmen. The problem for England, as ever, is they have so many good middle to lower order batsmen. This. I think they are still, you know, the top three are still an issue. I'm not sure Moeen Ali is a number three. He hasn't, hasn't set the world alight with his batting in this match. I just, I, I don't see that. I mean, he, having said that about Mo, you wouldn't think he's the long-term number three, but 
he keeps defying the odds, Moanelli. So who knows? He might develop into number three. But I, but I think on a seeming wicket or a, or a swinging wicket, I just don't see him as a number three. I mean, I don't really see it. I don't. And, and to, but to be honest with you, I'm not sure Keaton Jennings is is the guy you want on a green top or you yeah. know in, on on at the wacker. Sri Lanka have lost their fifth wicket, by the way. Chandimal is out. Bold Leach. So um, you like Leach, don't you? I really, I do. I like the look of Leach. I mean, I've always thought Leach is pretty good. He wasn't able to play. I think he got injured um, when he was going to make his debut. But now he's he's kind of fir- he's sort of firmly in the team now. He's he's bowled um, in this innings. He's bowled nineteen overs. Moeen and Rashid have bowled thirteen between them. Um, so I think I do. I do like the look of Leach. Are we going to do a ball by ball commentary of the Sri Lanka England game at the moment? Should we do it? <laughs> Should we do it? Um, yeah, that's not going to age I, badly I, I, at I all. Know, yeah, I, I know you're a bit miffed that you didn't get to see Folks, Stokes, and Wokes in the same team. I know you're disappointed about that. It was it was so close. I felt we we were so close to it, and then for some reason they decided not to pick Wokes, and they went with Sam Curran instead. Scurran. Yeah. He's he's been playing well. It will happen though. I think we're very close to seeing folks, Wokes and Stokes in the same team. And a, and a couple of Currens at the same a, time yeah, would be great. A couple of Currens. I mean, yeah, it's it's um it's exciting times for for all of us. Um All right, so that is Sri Lanka England and I think we're going to we will ex- expect a result today if not <laughs> if not <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, Tell us, will. Darren, about Ross Taylor versus Muhammad Hafiz. The or is it Ross, case Ross Taylor, Ross Taylor versus Safraz Ahmed? I think it's Roscoe Taylor versus Safraz. Yeah, curious case. I was having my dinner the other night. I, I come home from the office and I, I was flicking through the channels and I saw, wow, Pakistan are playing New Zealand. Fantastic. And Ross Taylor was batting and I saw something that was extraordinary. After the over, he basically signaled a chuck to his partner uh, and the umpire, and it was quite extraordinary. He was saying that Muhammad Hafiz had been throwing the ball, um, and, and rather than, ra- when you do that as a batsman, you'd normally go to the umpire quietly and say, "By the way, mate, do you want to have a look at this guy's action?" <laughs> um, but what he did was basically down the middle of the wicket, did the arm movement several times. It wasn't just once, uh, and Safraz was absolutely incensed. Uh, and those two are going at each other for several overs, and I, I think the umpires came in a few times to separate them. Um, I think Ross Taylor went on to score an 80-odd and New Zealand won the game. But there was a moment where you thought, gee, this is really going to flare up. And I thought how Ross Taylor handled it was probably not the right way to do it. Um, It didn't. I'm I'm with Safraz on this. Yeah, you know poor old Mohamed Hafiz. He's been banned three times already. I mean... mean, Well, yeah, but that's his own fault. I mean, I I don't... But this is not the way you do it, right? I I don't think you just start signaling that he's chucking it. Um, It looked very village to me. That's something you do in cricket in Shanghai. Right. Um, Is that something you've you done, do Darren? <laughs> yes, we, we have done it before, of course. I think. But yeah, it looks a bit Yeah, it, it didn't look. It does. It didn't. It doesn't look good for Ross Taylor. Um, I th- it, it's a problem for Muhammad Hafiz. Um, it's going to dog him wherever he goes. He's been called for chucking like I think four times now. Yeah. In his career, and it seems to be something he cannot get right. You know, because I think three. It's happened three times in the last two years or something. So are you, every. Are you saying? Every are you time, saying three strikes and you're out? Um, that's actually not what I'm saying, but that's not a bad idea. Uh, I had not considered that. Um, Yellow cards, red cards, let's bring them all in. Well, look, he wasn't called in this match, right? The umpires did not call him. So they 
clearly felt his action was was within the the bounds of legality. You know, and I was watching the game, and it looked fine to me. Um, it didn't look like it was it was a throw. So you didn't see any happy, you know, any javelins being thrown. A bit of mind games from um, Roscoe Taylor. I think that's probably more what it's about. And Safaraz, to his credit, did not lead Pakistan off the pitch. Yeah. So that you know, yeah. I think that's that's progress. Took it in your stride. Right. There's two more two more things we could potentially talk about. So the first is, and I must confess, I haven't done any research on this altogether, but I am aware that. Bangladesh lost to Zimbabwe. Yeah. And I think their captain... Oh, that's it. Yes, Mamadullah said there's no point playing test cricket um, because they uh, they were dismissed for less than 200 for the eighth successive time in test cricket. And they managed to lose at home to Zimbabwe. Mm. I, I just don't get it. I, I thought Bangladesh were improving. Well, you thought that, you know, Australian series last year, there was two tests. It was 1-1, right? Yes, um, indeed. Extremely surprising that they would lose to Zimbabwe. I thought that the, the game must have been in Zimbabwe, but it wasn't. So very surprising. I mean, with the quality of the Bangladesh team, you would think they, they would do okay. And I'm looking through the, the batting order here, and it looks most of their good players are available. So Zimbabwe's first away test win since 2001. And that, that was also against Bangladesh 17 years ago in Chittagong. It's only Zimbabwe's third test victory on foreign soil. Zimbabwe's first test win anywhere in the last five years. Zimbabwe bowled 685 balls to take 20 wickets, which is the second fewest they've ever bowled to dismiss the opposition twice in a test. Brandon Mavuta, the Zimbabwean bowler, took four for 21 in this test. And I think only two players have... And that's on his debut, by the way. Only two players are bold. But I, 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 will, I will be surprised, and it's a bit harsh on, on young Brandon, but I will be surprised if he ever bowls as well again. Yeah. You, this never, may be the peak. Never say never. Maybe the pinnacle. <laughs> never say never, but my, my guess is this is the pinnacle for Brandon Mavuta. You're so nasty sometimes, um, Arun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know, what's, something, is, something is rotten. In a state, in a of, state Bangladesh. of Bangladeshi, <laughs> Bangladeshi cricket. It does seem that way. You've got their, you know, their players are always getting disciplined for attacking children. And, you know, it's just, it just doesn't seem right. Isn't it? I think the Bangladesh T20 League is starting soon, isn't it? The MSL? Is yeah, that the, the BSL, one? Whatever. Is They've got else? a bunch of international oh, players going, I think. There's an MSL going on. Oh, I don't know. Sure it's so, what... so exhausting. There's also this stupid Super 10 thing going on in the UAE, I think, or somewhere else. It's, there's just so much cricket these days, isn't there? Right. So now we, we finally get to the big story yes. of the month. You had the perfect segue going from Mohammed Hafiz into this thing, and you didn't take it. The big story. Virat Kohli has found himself in some controversy uh, in India. He has been... Um, the subject of numerous newspaper headlines, which suggest that he's triggered considerable uproar over comments he made. So just to fill our listeners in, he took part in one of these um, one of these sort of videos on behalf of one of his sponsors, where people write in with questions on Twitter, and he responds to them, which I always think is a little naff, a little yeah, <laughs> a bit naff, a bit risky as well, given the, the strength of his. Twitter following, but you hope people will vet these questions. Anyway, one of the questions that made it through, and I was surprised it made it through, it was someone from India saying, it wasn't even a question, it was a kind of a statement, just sort of saying, well, I, I prefer batsmen from England and Australia rather than these Indians. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's 
fair fair enough. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. There are uh, you know there are many great Australian and English batsmen. Anyway, Virat Kohli responded to this by suggesting that this this person, this fan, uh, leave India. Wow, that's a big um, if 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 they don't support Indian batsmen. Well, that's harsh, isn't it? So the big call. So did he leave? <laughs> No, I don't think so. I mean, well, th- th- then this triggered uproar, and you can imagine uh, on Twitter, on social media, yeah. Um, and Coley's had to uh, issue one of those weird non-apologies. I mean, frankly, <laughs> I don't think he has anything to apologise for because I think his tongue was in cheat. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. And even if it wasn't, it's not as if he. Um, I don't think it was. It was a, a particularly offensive thing to say, uh, but he said that he will. Um, He's obviously not very good at trolling people, and he'll leave the trolling to others, <laughs> to his fans. I mean, and he does get trolled. Uh, very, very noble of him. Very noble. I mean, well, well, there you have it. You know, I mean, big, huge, huge controversy. You can tell we're in the silly season for Indian cricket because the West Indian series continues to chunter along with no obvious end in sight or point. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of going on there in the background, isn't it? It's like, whatever. You know, Arun, I, I thought we were going to talk about the 360 bowler. And so oh, I, that's I thought the one. that was the big story of the week. And you've you've chimed in with this ridiculous non-event that is Virat Kohli being on Twitter. You know, we've heard of 360-degree batsmen, right? But we, we don't often hear of 360-degree bowlers. Um, I, I would say that I'm a 360-degree bowler. I get smashed everywhere. Um, but this week in the under-23s, in India, you might have seen a young man bowl, turn around in a 360 motion before delivering a ball. Um, quite incredible, young Shiva Singh. Um, I don't know how he controls the ball, to be honest, and doesn't get dizzy. I, I would just probably fall over on the ground. So he kind of runs in with his right hand, spins and bowls with his left hand. And of course, he was called for a no ball, which I thought is interesting, according to the... It's. I, I think it was... Um... Was he no-balled or dead-balled? It was dead-balled. Because they said, I think under the laws, it was an, in, an instance of a deliberate attempt to distract. Uh, Shiva Singh has said, well, how is this different from a reverse sweep or a exactly. switch hit? And Simon Torfel has responded, well, those are strokes not intended to, dis- to distract. They're actually necessary to play the shot. Whereas this 360 spin is not necessary. So, Because what they're saying is that if he always bowls with a 360-degree action, it's okay. But if he changes it up during an over, it's not okay. Now... I, I, you know, Michael Vaughan has supported the young man, and I, I, I have some sympathy here. I mean, I think, you know, if you're allowed to reverse hit, basically you're setting up as a left-hander if you're a right-hander. So why can't you change hands with the ball? Why can't you, you say you're right-handed and you bowl with your left hand? I think it's totally fine. I don't th- why should the bowler have to say what hand he's going to bowl with? I'll tell you why, Darren. It's a batsman's game. That's why. No, but, I, 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 but if you look at the video, it's quite funny. And to be honest, if you were batting against the guy for the first time, you would be very distracted. I would. I, everyone should have a look at it because he, he runs in and he literally does a three sixty spin yeah, and then bowls. It's crazy in his in his delivery stride. It reminds me of um, of a basketball player because you, you you know you you see Michael Jordan and all those guys. They would often do a three sixty spin, but not a whole three sixty. Like they would often do a two seventy. It's really hard to do a three sixty. Um, <laughs> it's quite funny. And he's obviously very good with the footwork. I think yeah. if he doesn't make it in cricket, perhaps a dancing career, um, you know, beckons. There's definitely Bollywood in that. Definitely. I mean, and, and yeah, as you said, to not get busy, he then delivers the ball. Um, line and length is all, is all fine. But uh, yeah, the powers that be, the killjoys, 
in in cricket administration have uh, have clamped down on this delivery. Well, so they might change the rules again. But I mean, I, I remember playing cricket in Taiwan, and we we had a guy who would do a trick delivery. He'd sort of bowl the ball about three paces from the stumps, and you know, it's it's when, when it happens to you, it's quite surprising because you're not ready for it, right? You assume the guy's going to run through normally through the crease and bowl it, and then when he bowls this lolly three feet from the wicket, it's it's quite off putting. Yeah, no, I, I've faced a bowler regularly um, in the cricket net, so it could never be no-balled or, or dead-balled, who would start his run-up from quite far on the offside, as you'd expect for a right-arm bowler. But he would deliver the ball, he'd end up delivering the ball quite far way over onto the leg side. Right. Um, which actually is not allowed, because I think you have to say, you have to tell the umpire which side you're delivering the ball from, right? And stick to that side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would add... I mean, you know, it never. It was it was very confusing in terms of how you could how you could set up against that kind of bowler. Um, but broadly speaking, I think I have some sympathy in 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 this notion that bowlers need all the help they can get yeah. in this game, and it does feel like batsmen are allowed to get away with a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Whereas bowlers are always having to worry about where's their front foot. Yeah, where's their the back young, foot, young guy said, "Look, these guys are where's batting. the sandpaper." Like, I mean, he, it's better than sandpaper, right? So the guy said, you know, they've been batting for a while in partnership. He thought he'd try something different because he was trying to break the partnership, right? So, yeah. okay, I'm good with it. Yeah, absolutely. Go we support it, this, kind of, we do. this kind of innovation. Disruption. Disruption, yeah. Disruption in cricket. Elite disruption in cricket. All right, excellent. So I think that does finally bring us to the end of this episode of Cricket Ultras. When do India touch down in Australia, Darren? Do you have any idea? Well, I think it's quite or... interesting that this later this month, I think they'll be playing, uh, I think we start with T20s or ODIs, then the Test Series starts. So, you know, if, if India can't win this, I mean, I think they might win the one-day series, but if they can't win the Test Series, as you said earlier, I think they'll never win one in Australia. I think they go in evens. I wouldn't favour them, actually, because... I, th- I think it's a pretty, f- pretty strong mental block they're going to be facing. They are going to play a four-day practice match, apparently. This has been touted as, like, a huge breakthrough. Against the Nembaka thirds. <laughs> yeah, but you know Ravi Shastri will cancel it. Yeah, of course and he it's, will. It's, it's, yeah, excellent. Okay, well, thank you so much, Darren, and thank you, listeners, as always. Um, we'll be back soon.